Scripture says that God our Savior desires all men to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. But what is the truth? And how do we gain that knowledge? The answer to these questions and more in today's edition of Faith with Father. Living Bread Radio presents Faith with Father, a program aimed at teaching today's culture the truth about the Catholic faith. And now here's your host, Tim Perry. Hello, and welcome to this edition of Faith with Father. I'm your host, Tim Perry, and with me today in studio is Father Pat Spicer, a priest for the Diocese of Cleveland. Welcome, Father Pat. Oh, thank you very much, Tim. It's great to have you here again. It's fantastic to be here. It really is. We're going to continue our discussion from the UCAT about what we believe as Catholics. And uh, we're going to, uh, we didn't get to this question last time. It's uh, under the Eighth Commandment, uh, number 461. How does art mediate between beauty and the truth? Yeah, this is the one we were talking about. We had to, we had to grab this one, 461. And uh, the reason being is that, you know, I just always think about when we talk about the infinite nature of God. <laughs> you know, obviously, the first thing I, I think of is when I was camping many, many years ago. Uh, my friend took me to this place in Pennsylvania, middle of the mountains, and, and he's just driving. He's, you know, he's telling me, I got to show you this place. I got to show you this place. I got to show you this place. And, you know, 20 minutes into the drive, it's nighttime. I'm asking, where are we going? Point is, we get to this place. We look up into the sky. Never seen anything remotely close to this. The stars, it was, the sky was unbelievable. I mean, I'm, st- I'm shaking right now just telling you this story. And I bring that up because uh, the beauty that I saw with my own eyes um, helped me, helps me to understand infinite nature of God. When anyone ever says that, anytime, even the word infinite, I think of that. And you think of that's God's creation. You know, there's such beauty in creation, whether it's the Grand Canyon uh, you know, Mount Everest, uh, Mount Kilimanjaro, or, uh, or even uh, Crow Patrick in, in Ireland. I, cr- I, I climbed a mountain I climbed in the west of Ireland uh, where St. Patrick um, was there many years, 1,700 years ago, and I was climbing that very same mountain. And it's just something about being in the footsteps of the great St. Patrick, climbing the mountain, and then on top of the Crow Patrick, you could see for miles. To the left, you could see the ocean. To the west, to the east, you could see. And is it... You know, it just says everything we need to know about God. The infinite nature, the beauty, the, the fact that nothing's going to disappoint. And um, interestingly enough, remember Thomas Aquinas, uh, you know, the great scholar of the 13th century. Right before he was about to, to meet God, he, he took all of his works and burned it. And he said, it's straw. <laughs> it doesn't mean anything. Nothing compares to the... And I, I heard a, once a theologian once say his greatest act, Thomas Aquinas, was to show that because everyone looked at Thomas Aquinas. We still do. It's a great scholastic, a man of great learning, of learning that we've never seen before, maybe even since. And he himself, you know, threw out his great works because he wanted to show the mystery of God. That If, if somebody explains to you who God is, then it isn't it. And what else is there? Is there art? There's beauty that helps us understand that. Mm-hmm. Or maybe a, a beautiful sunny morning in northeast Ohio. <laughs> Correct. Again, just not taking that for granted and really appreciating that, wow. Mm-hmm, the simplicity. How beautiful. Mm-hmm. How beautiful. And again, it helps you to turn to God and re- realize that, again, everything that we have from God is a gift. There's some things, uh, you know, the beauty draws us to our knees. Beauty sees 
you know, we see something of God in the beauty. That's what makes it beautiful, you know. The one, mm -hmm. the true, the good, the beauty. These are all the same thing. Mm-hmm. And I, and I think his most beautiful creation ever, of course, is little newborn babies. Mm -hmm. They're so awesome and so helpless and soft and beautiful. <laughs> I love them. I, I have a granddaughter coming in uh, a few months, and I can't wait. Yeah. Because I just I love babies. But uh, good point. So now we uh, transition into the Ninth Commandment, which is you shall not covet your neighbor's wife. In 462, the UCAT asks... What does the Ninth Commandment forbid? Why does the Ninth Commandment forbid sexual desire? Mm -hmm. Yeah, the desire. That's the key word. Yeah. You too, many years ago, had a song, you know, desire. Uh, powerful, powerful thing. Our hearts are restless until they don't, until they, I'm sorry, our hearts are restless until they rest with God. You know, and we have inherently, a part of being in the image of likeness of God is having this, this burning in our hearts. Are burning for uh, for uh, God, <laughs> but oftentimes you know we don't necessarily know that we think of it as lust, as all these different things, you know, to dis disorder desires, you know, these things that uh, can overcome us. Lust, you know, as a as a human being, we're as as, as speaking as a male, you know, we're imb imbued with our sexuality as a part of being made in the image of likeness of God. Our sexuality is a part of who we are, unmistakable part of who we are. Naturally enough, we're going to be attracted to uh, other people. But the question is, when we're attracted, what do we do with those attractions? You know, do we harbor them? You know, do we use them? Do we begin to uh, use these disorder, the desires and disorder them? And I, I always love the, I love that image of the harbor. You know, there's a ship at the harbor. We see it. We're attracted to it. Do we just grab it? Like force it into uh, the Death Star of our hearts because we want to, you know, we want our own gratification, we want our own selfish needs. Well, how are we acting at that point? We're acting like the infant out of the womb, you know, the kicking, screaming, uh, wanting it, crying, you know, want it. How do we go from that to the cross? And that's life's journey. And disordered, those disordered things that we're going to experience in life, you know. Uh, not, I'm sorry. Those, these things that we did not disorder these but to order them properly mm -hmm. good point father I think one of the things that, uh, that has helped me in uh, is looking at other women as sisters in Christ mm -hmm. that we are all brothers and sisters and other women are actually uh, sisters of Christ and daughters of God and the two questions that have helped me to keep my uh, desires in check is how can I please God, number one, and how can I help others? Yeah. What can I do for that person to help them? Yeah. You know, what is it I can do? And again, by having that, uh, taking the focus off of what I want yes. to what God wants, number one, and then secondarily what others need or want. You know, how can I serve others? How can I serve God and how can I serve others? Yeah. And when you do that, now it makes it easier to have your priorities in the correct order and, and not uh, give in to all these things that we want. The, right. the sex, the food, the alcohol, the drugs, whatever it is, gambling. Mm -hmm. you That's know. what makes fasting so critical, you know, is to, 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 to be trained to do without. You mm -hmm. know, when you train yourself through fasting, you're able to deal with desires 
and a profound love. Obviously, fasting and prayer are always they're always connected. They're like two sides of exactly. a coin. Where does one end and the other begin? It's very difficult because even in prayer, what are you doing? You're surrendering your time. You're surrendering yourself to God. And sometimes that's the most wonderful thing we can do. And sometimes it's the hardest thing we can do. You know, and so you know, fasting and prayer, and, uh, so that we. It's a training. It's a habit. Aristotle, Aristotle knew this. Always talked about. Aquinas picked up on this and Christianized it. The importance of habit, even if it's a habit of thinking. Like I'll take a classic point here. Is at one time I remember I was struggling with, uh, uh, you know, I think everyone does. One's part of the light. They struggle with uh, certain lusts, you know. And I remember talking to someone. I told my spiritual director at the time. I said, "Hey, you know what? I, I don't. It doesn't help me." To say, oh, this 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 person is a, a child of God. That doesn't help. That doesn't help me, Father. And he said, "Well, keep doing it." <laughs> you know what I mean? I thought he was going to say, "Well, we can, oh, let's go back into the book over here. Let's let's think of." He says, "You just haven't surrendered to it yet." To, and it's true that these people, uh, these pe- uh, every one of us is made in the image and likeness of God. Mm-hmm. And and these and it's, you know, these desires. Mm-hmm. You know, do we order them or we disorder them? You know. Well, you know, another person that can help us is the Blessed Virgin Mary, who Absolutely. was the perfect creature and, and who is purity and chastity personified. So uh, I know for myself, when I was having an issue with that, I asked the Blessed Mother, please help me to be holy and chaste and pure. Mm-hmm. And again, it didn't happen after one time of <laughs> asking her. As you mentioned, I had to get in the habit and I had to do it. And it, and it took me years but again, eventually, my my thinking and my uh, habit of thinking became such that it was whole, holiness and purity. Absolutely. Not that I'm I've never been tempted since then, but I've learned to, uh, as you said, surrender to God. Because guess what? God knows what He's doing, and I don't. I don't know what I'm doing. I'm, I know what I'm trying to do, but God's in control, and He is absolutely knows what's best for me better than I know for myself. So again, that surrender, is that's a good good uh, concept that you share a lot. I, I like that, surrendering to God. 463 of the UCAT asks, how does one achieve purity of heart? Uh, I suppose, you know, you think about purity of heart. Um, that's the strive of every Christian. You know, that's a strive. And I even think of uh, the prophet Ezekiel. <laughs> uh, I remember my... <laughs> professor at the uh, seminary, Father Tosco, I talked about Ezekiel. He's kind of like the psychedelic prophet, you know. He ate the scroll, you know. He was, uh... anyways, I guess what I'm saying is that the purity of heart, We, I, I always look at the uh, the prophets, John, even John the Baptist. Uh, they show a burning sensation uh, through their lives. They want to show other people what it, how God is re- present in their lives. And uh, Jesus said, you know, the, the, the children, uh, you know, let the little children come on to me. Uh, the idea that they, they realize, children realize their dependence upon God. The prophets show our need to understand that dependence on God. But we're baptized priest, prophet, and kings. We're to be all three. So I, I guess what I'm saying is that purity of heart, when I think of purity of heart, you know, that's the narrow gate. That's what we need to be striving for. Not to be the great judges deciding uh, whether somebody should be going to communion, whether someone shouldn't be going to communion. Uh, purity of heart is like the children that just know one thing. 
they have dependence upon God. And you know, the Mass, that, that's why it's so important to go to church, because when yes. we go to Mass, that's when we experience the living God. We yes. can have union with God through the Scriptures and then ultimately through the Holy Eucharist and have that union with God, not just me and God, but as a community of believers, yes. all of us together with you, the priest, and the person of Jesus Christ, all the heavenly hosts that are present. Again, having that union with God, now I have purity of heart mm -hmm. because my focus is on God and not on Tim Perry, yeah. not on myself. Uh, yeah, it, it, I know we're running out of time here, but I, uh, Ratzinger, uh, Pope Benedict uh, the Sixteenth, often spoke about the danger maybe of us Westerners that we uh, we have a throwaway culture when it comes to food. You know, we, we go boom, boom, boom. You know, drive through you this. You know, is the mass uh, the, the 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 sacrifice of the mass, just receiving the body and blood that it's it's such a uh, demanding moment of our time, and 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 just being present to that moment, nothing like uh, nothing ever in that the sincerity of what is taking place, the spiritual food for the journey. Awesome. Well, we've been listening to Father Pat Spicer, a priest for the Diocese of Cleveland. Father, can we have a quick blessing for the listeners? Sure. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, Almighty and Eternal God, we ask for your blessing upon all listeners that are listening to this radio station. May they be drawn closer to the light, love, and mercy of your Son. And we make this prayer, like all prayers, through Christ our Lord. Amen. Until next time, this has been Tim Perry. God bless. This has been Faith with Father, a production of Living Bread Radio in Canton, Ohio. For an audio archive of this program, log on to livingbreadradio.com and click on Faith with Father. If you have a question or comment about today's program, email us at askfather at livingbreadradio.com. And join us again next time for another edition of Faith with Father.